0: This is the Straight Dope, episode 25, being data-driven versus driving data. This weekend I got to meet a bunch of shooters who I hadn't met before and talk about the podcast, talk about shooting and their shooting goals as they're related to a whole huge array of outlets, which was pretty fun. That's one huge perk of this Waiko League that I've been talking about and why I'm encouraging everybody to go out and find your local club and community of shooters and really talk about how to achieve the goals that you're going after. We all have different and diverse outlets that we're trying to get better and prepare for. And one of the trends that always comes up, regardless of the forum or the outlook application that people are training for, is this idea that people fall back on pure scientific data. And trust me, I'm a trained scientist. I spent a lot of years crunching numbers and doing research. I understand the importance and value of that, and, and I do like it, but I don't do that in shooting because I view shooting more like I view other outlets that I do that are athletic. I view it as a skill that requires skill development, and development of skill requires analyzing data and using your training and objectives in a smart way and not just falling back on this is the way the world works, therefore X, Y, Z because that therefore and the arrow pointing towards X, Y, Z usually makes some magical leap that doesn't necessarily connect logically. Falling back to using scientific data to justify your argument can be valuable, but it can also be misleading and used incorrectly. And I see that on Facebook a lot, where people fall back and they say, well, I'm an engineer, or I'm, I've been you know, teaching at this school, or they, they use the appeal to authority argument to justify why some mathematical calculation is the reason why something happens. And when you look at shooters and you look at their abilities compared to some of that data, there's a huge gap. And so I like to think, how are we going to take a shooter where they are today and develop their skills towards those essentially unattainable formulas? You can't just jump to the formula and justify why somebody's better or how you'll never be good because, uh one thing or another. And so while I appreciate and love the graphs and formulas that explain essentially the physics behind shooting, that's not the skill behind shooting. And I ask you to ask the people that are posting those formulas to show up to a match, to show up to uh, somewhere, and shoot as well as those formulas, be able to prove it with a bullet rather than proving it with a formula. And that gap that you're going to see, well, first of all, they probably won't come and try that because uh, egos get in the way. But rather, the gap that you see is the skill gap. And data should drive the, the closing of that skill gap. But it won't just slam the door shut between somebody with no skill and somebody with a lot of skill. So let's talk about looking at data as a way to drive and encourage skill development, which I think is a good thing, rather than justifying uh, various ends of arguments that really nobody's gonna go out and actually demonstrate the skill required. Like the difference between mill and MOA. If if, if we're talking about shooting at 1,000 yards, there isn't a shooter out there that can shoot the difference between a mill and an MOA scope. So while you can show that mathematically that there's a difference, dialing in to a 1,000 yards, first of all, zeros aren't exactly perfect. And then secondly, dialing that stuff in and holding, no shooter exists that's going to shoot the difference between those two. It would be cool if they tried. It would be cool if skill and equipment got to the point that they could, but they just can't. And so the arguments that fall back on the math and science is... I think, using that data inappropriately. So what's the data that I look for? Well, when you look at Brian Litz's books, and he talks about skill uh, for advanced, middle-range, and and amateur shooters, it must be from some sort of F-class or um, style of shooting that, that I haven't participated in because nobody's shooting consistently Half inch groups in field shooting or practical shooting, and so uh, th- there's a gap in some of that data in that it's not realistic for most shooters to shoot at that level in the outlets that we're going to, but there probably are competitions that do have those skill levels uh, but but that's not that tends not to be where I see these numbers pop up and these figures popping up likewise the hit percentage data for you know, shooting targets of various sizes, I think that asking what the application is and then what the variety of skills that are involved rather than just saying here's one skill um, and this is the only component, we need to talk about the constellation of components for the particular outlets. So that's why at Riflecraft we say we need to shoot at a minimum of four positions because you won't know the position that you'll be shooting from in the field. In practical shooting, there's just no way to predict that. Now, we can isolate out your ability to build quickly a prone position and take a shot, kneeling, seated, and standing, but if we're going to assess a skill of a shooter and their knowledge and ability to retrieve their fundamental skill sets. We need to assess it across a broad spectrum of shooting positions, and that's why I do uh, the multi-position stuff. and And I think that that's what I'm trying to circle around is the difference between using data that you've collected for yourself, mapping a target that you're trying to achieve, and then bridging that gap. And some of that is mindset. A lot of it is understanding the personal ability of your shooting system and your skill level. And that's a lot what coaches do or good coaches do in sport. In sport, we use data to track skill development. And more and more metrics are logged and recorded and assessed, like resting heart rate when you wake up, your your body temperature when you wake up, how much sleep, your uh, strength, goals towards a specific um test your confidence levels the time it takes you to do something and those are all metrics that we use to develop confidence and also use as predictors as to whether you're ready or not ready to try to achieve some sort of a goal and we're talking about fine-tuned athletes but that data of temperature subjective reports resting heart rate uh lifts, time, movement, efficiency, those are all data points that we can use as predictors to an outcome. And so the predictors I think with shooting that are important to log are your, your first shot for wind. Right? You only get one chance per day to assess your wind reading skills. So at the appropriate distance, on the appropriate size target, you can measure that with the wind number of your rifle and you make a wind call and shoot and you record the deviation that you were to your wind estimate. You record those wind calling abilities over time and over time you should be able to see your effective wind reading ability You know at the places that you're testing it at. And that's one advantage to traveling around the country shooting at different places is that you learn different techniques and styles of reading that wind. But that's data collection that's very important for you to log and record. And in the notes section of rifle craft targets, you're able to record stuff like that. So I think keeping a record over time is data that does actually help you assess whether or not you're ready for an objective or not. If you shoot at the distance of your wind number, a mile an hour is going to be a tenth of drift. And so if you've got a target that's relatively wide and you hold center and you make your wind hold to center, the impact on plate off of that is going to tell you the plus or minus wind per mile an hour. And if you miss off plate, of course, it's bigger than the bracket of that particular target. But that's a really good thing to take note of. And it's something that I track and different areas. I have more or less ability to do that. But as a whole, um, you know where your strengths and weaknesses might be and, and able to set the expectation levels for yourself so that you aren't completely disappointed when you miss, that you're able to look at a shot or calc- or reflect on a shot afterwards and say, you know, that exceeded my ability. What did I miss? Or what can I learn from that experience to to, to not do that next time? Those are interesting questions and interesting data points that allow you to work on your own skill development rather than just turn to a formula and say well you know here's here's this mathematical model that explains how you should have hit it first try because being told you know that you know you should have done one thing or another is kind of bullshit right we're all trying we're all learning none of us are perfect at it and in order to track that progress we need to record data but we don't justify it based on some sort of a model that's unachievable or undemonstrable in reality. And that's why I like Ryan Kleckner's approach is that no matter how convincing something is on paper at the end of the day we're going out to try to achieve something that has to be like, you know, within the parameters of realistic. And so we need to temper both of those ends so that we grow rather than just throwing our hands up in the air and saying, Fuck it, let's just shoot hundred rounds and we'll eventually we'll hit it or uh, you know, justifying that somebody's better, you know, they'll hit it no matter what. And it's like, well, you know, I, I want all of us to get better. And I think that recording the data, using that to drive strengths and weaknesses towards improvement is where it starts. The other thing that as an athletic coach it's important to record is the psychological elements that go into it. So it's not the mindset of saying, oh, well, the competition, you know, I'm I'm going to go and win. Okay, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, jokingly, I asked John Pinch, I was going to record him on my phone. I said, hey, what's your, what's your strategy for this? And, and he said, well, you know, I don't know. And I said, John, you're supposed to just say my plan is to go hit all the targets. And now there, there's definitely some shooters out there that would say that. And they would market that as their selling feature of, you have to go in knowing that you're going to hit the targets. But most of us listening understand that that's bullshit. You're not going to go in saying, I know I'm absolutely going to hit these targets. Not unless your friends gave you a win call, gave you a hold, and you've shot those targets, and you know the positions. And even then, you have to have a plan for what happens if you miss, right? Knowing how to approach the problem means going out and Doing trial and error such that you're confident with the spectrum of your skills, and you know if the wind is within these miles per hour brackets, I have the ability to hit a target of this size, and if I miss, I know what to do to make a correction. All of those data points that you've recorded over days at the range, over days of dry fire, and and mapping it out on paper, those data points give you a game plan that you're able to adjust on the fly at a match where you can make a correction after a miss, or you can hit on plate make an adjustment on plate or if you don't see anything you know what you're going to do next correct three quarters of a plate to the right correct three quarters of a plate to the left if you don't see anything because it was either more wind or less wind um, you know there are strategies that you can play into to give you a likelihood but if you haven't played with that beforehand there's really no chance that you're going to do it on the fly on the spot because we don't have access to that much bandwidth when you're under a timer, I don't think. The other thing is making sure that we remember that it's fun, right? that it's rewarding, that we're doing it for a reason, that that we feel like we're growing. When we record our data, we can chart and prove that we're growing. If you go to a class and you come back and your stats don't change, you may have hung out with cool shooters and they may, may have told you some cool things and they may have even fed you into a course that made it seem like you did something awesome. But at the end of the day, if your skill didn't grow outside of that specific niche, you really gained nothing. And and so we should see growth over time in skill and mapping that out on Riflecraft, I think, is very important. Now, recently on social media, I reached out uh, on on my, um, what the hell is that called, the story feature. And I said, hey, I was hoping uh, somebody could help with this because I plugged in all the um or all of the formulas in Brian Litz's books were plugged into an uh, Excel spreadsheet as a predictive algorithm for saying, you know, shooters of these skills should hit this size target under these conditions. And to me, it seemed like the targets were too small uh, for those parameters. And I still feel that way. I feel like the math can be justified, but there's no way to know the data points going into it, and shooters don't have the level of skill to achieve that. So the idea was, you know, if you put out a uh 11-inch plate or 12-inch plate. It's, it's it's less than 12, but more than 11. But I think if you put a 10 to 12-inch plate out at 700, 550, and 400, and you take your first round shot at 700, he predicts that a good shooter should hit that most of the time. And and I don't think that's true. I don't I don't think shooters are shooting at that ability yet as their very first shot of the day. No wind call, no data, uh, and then coming into the middle range the 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 intermediate shooter should hit that most of the time and then the near range the beginner should be able to hit that most of the time I think the data's off but I ask people to go out and try that and so far uh, anecdotally the reports that are coming back are showing that people really aren't hitting that far target first round but it's only been several days of people going out and Hopefully over time, you know, we'll we'll get that. I mean, I think it's freaking awesome to shoot at a you know ten or twelve inch plate at seven hundred for your first shot of the day and hit it. But a lot goes into that. And so what are the data points that go into that? First of all, you need to know that your shooting fundamentals allow you to be able to shoot, you know, one and a half MOA from from whatever the position is. Now if you can do that, that's awesome. Then fundamentally you can hit that. But there has to be no wind. And in reality, even a one mile an hour wind is going to add a tenth to, to your target, right? So if you're shooting one and a half MOA, all of a sudden, you're under 100%. So in reality, you need to be shooting about an MOA if the wind is around a mile, you know, mile and a half per hour. And, and so, w- and we could, you could probably pull up a formula and say, well, mathematically, this blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's the difference that I'm trying to point out is that we can get data and we could show how you know somebody can read a gust of wind to one point six six two miles per hour or, or or something like that, but then if you take them out to the range and they can't hit a target there's there's a there's a gap that needs to be bridged between skill and and the formulas that people are tossing around, which I think is unfortunately causing more harm to the community by people doing that than helping because they're not producing shooters that are capable of effectively demonstrating skill at the level that they claim to be teaching. And in fact I would say that across almost all the schools that are producing students the level of expectation coming out of it is kind of nebulous and some of the higher end ones uh that you know have these reputations for you know teaching you know, super ninja snipers, uh, those super ninja snipers are definitely not shooting at that level. And I don't want you guys to think that, you know, you're doing something wrong because you're not able to shoot a one MOA plate at a thousand yards first round. Um, because people don't do that very often. Right. And if they took 10 shots, they're not going to hit all 10 in a row or 10 day first shot of the day, 10 days straight, uh, we're talking about statistical anomalies and we don't want to be statistical anomalies we want to have a consistent expectation of our abilities now i know i'm getting sidetracked a little bit but the frustrations that i'm seeing is that people like to justify you know they like to try to use math and science to to push an agenda that's not really math and science right and so we need to use the data smart we need to use the data to understand where we're at and how to improve where we're at not justify something distant from where we're at because bridging that gap doesn't happen in a miracle you don't say like oh well you know i watched a disney movie where a dog became president like that there are a lot of steps that need to take place for a dog to become president right and as you know a semi-conscious adult listener here I think you can understand that if I just snap my finger, a dog's not going to become president. A lot of small steps would have to happen, right? And some people would probably call miracles would have to happen in order for stuff like that to happen. And I think that that we see some of that in, in a less dramatic uh, way happening in shooting where people say, well, here's here's all the this great stuff. Um, you know, like shooting your 22 rimfire at a mile like all right well you know we didn't see the thousand shots it took to get there and then then if you could do that first shot of the day 10 days in a row now i'd be like interested in watching that and seeing what your science was but not you know here's my three shot group out of this you know xyz sponsored barrel and the three shot group is very small it's like well if you really want to change people's perspectives how about sharing a 10 shot group multiple positions and or you know what whatever you're trying to prove use enough data where it's actually statistically significant or convincing and for most of us we don't need to do that we can see you know looking at paper that there are areas for you to improve and so charting that over time is very important you know that if you're going to go on a hunt that that first shot really does make a difference and that if you analyze your data of your groups your wind reading ability you can go in knowing with real confidence that there is a range inside of that range. You will not miss that shot, right? Or 99% of the time, you will not miss that shot. Those are the confidence-building data points that we need to rely on and not hope for miracles to happen, right? Miracles and hoping that that next piece of equipment that you buy is going to change your shooting altogether. It's never, ever going to happen. There's not a piece of equipment that you will buy where your next range day, you will go from 50th place to first place. It's just not going to happen. But if you go to a range day and you train train your metrics and those metrics get close enough to the performance of people in first place, we can chart how long it will take, we can chart the probability such that when you do go to a competition, we can say there's a high probability of that actually happening. Now it depends on other shooters and who comes and all that garbage. That's why I think, you know, at the level of shooting today in practical shooting, field shooting, uh, team match shooting, you could coach just about anybody in a year with the right time and and, and money to perform at the very highest level by tracking their metrics in a logical, progressive manner. And you can do that too. So use the data to drive your training. Don't use the science to, to, to pray for a miracle, right? Or the, or, the, or the maps. And think about the stuff that you see and how practical it is And whether somebody could actually go out and demonstrate it on command because those are the questions that we need to ask. Those are the things that Ryan Kleckner is very good at raising and pointing out. Those are the things that Frank Galley is very good saying, you know, in reality, that's not what we do. But we can train towards it and we can know the probability and likelihood of those outcomes. From that data, that's where true confidence comes from. If you know you can hit a target, you're going to go into it confident. If you know that there's a good chance you're going to miss, confidence is impossible to have, right? So I think that the psychological element comes from repeated, consistent training and recording of data points, logging your craft targets, logging the notes of conditions, logging as many data points as you can, And have the goal in mind of where your performance level will be at a point where you're willing to go out and apply it to achieve a goal. But don't just train randomly and then go to random tests and say, hey, I I didn't do as good as I thought I would do or I didn't do this. Train for a goal, get your data points to line up and then go into that test with actual confidence. And that's how we'll approach it like an athlete in a practical context, without hiding behind numbers and without hoping for miracles. And that might mean it takes longer than you. It might mean accepting that there's better people out there. It might mean saying, well, maybe this year I won't achieve that, but if I graph this out, I will achieve it next year. Awesome. That, I think that's confidence building. To me, it's a little bit of a letdown, but it's also inspiring because you know that it is absolutely achievable, and there's really nothing that isn't achievable in terms of challenges that are out there. In any sport involving rifles, Like it's 100% achievable. You just need to raise your skill level to the point where those data elements line up. Shot size, positional consistency, wind calling ability, and then speed to build and break between positions. That will work for hunting, that will work for competition, that will work for fun, and there's really nothing you can't accomplish if you log that data and do it consistently over time, closing the gap between your goal and where you are today. So anyway, if you like this, uh, share, subscribe, go to RifleCraft. We actually did make a couple updates to to the modules when you log in. There's a menu that pops down in the top left and there's a couple more modules coming where now you we can you can in the in the menu you can see the blog is back, and then the store has a new module and the subscriber podcast. Uh, as soon as uh, that bridge from the host comes in, so that it's you know only listener to only listened by subscribers, then I will start uh, releasing those. But I've been recording those. With, with detailed comments about how I think, you know, the data collection and those metrics should be looked at. But um, until then, uh, keep listening. I appreciate the support. If you really want to help out uh, financially by pushing, uh, you know, this and voting with your wallets, subscribe at rifle, riflecraft.com. That helps the podcast, it helps the website, and it helps us develop future analytical guidelines towards achieving your shooting goals